Hey, next on the Teen Nation, thanks for tuning in and for continuing to make us a part of your golf content. Tom Patrick makes a long overdue return to the show. Enjoy the segment. Before we get started, like I say, I want to remind you about our friends over at the Macklemore. Like I've been talking about, my buddies and I were headed there next week for our annual golf trip. And it's so amazing and beautiful up there. We had such a great time last year. That's why we're going back again this year. Everything about the place is first class. We had great accommodations. The practice facility is great. The on-premise restaurant called The Craig has outstanding food and service. And the course lived up to every great expectation that we had for it going in. I can't say enough great things about it. Folks, go online to themacklemore.com to see how spectacular the place is for yourself. Golf course is co-designed by our good friends Bill Bergen and Reese Jones. And our friend and PGA Tour caddy Kip Henley said, Outside of Pebble Beach, it's the most beautiful 18th hole he's ever seen. Golf Digest agreed, naming it the best finishing hole in America since 2000. And Lynx Magazine doubled down on that, naming it one of the top 10 finishing holes in all of golf. See why we're all saying such great things about it by going online and checking it out for yourself, themacklemore.com. And folks, this segment of the show is brought to you by TaylorMade. Golf is an interesting game because the better you hit the ball, the fewer shots you have to hit. That means the better you hit the ball, the less golf you actually have to play. That's why TaylorMade made the all-new Stealth Irons. Stealth Irons feature a cap-back design with a 3D toe wrap designed to help deliver increased distance through the bag and more forgiveness on those occasional, or maybe not so occasional, less-than-perfect shots. The result? Better shots more often, so you get to have more fun more often. So if you're the kind of golfer who wants to play less golf more often, try the all-new Stealth Irons from TaylorMade, Beyond Driven. All right, now finally back with me is our resident director of instruction, Tom Patrick. It seems like forever since TP has been here with us. Clearly, his priorities are way out of whack. For everyone in Charlottesville, Virginia, be on the lookout. Tom has packed up the white beast, and he's headed your way. He's on his way back for a second year at Farmington Country Club, so if you're in the Virginia, West Virginia, D.C. areas, go see Tom there. Take your game to new heights this summer, folks. He's just the best. If you can't go see him in person, download the V1 video app and send him videos of your golf swing. He can help get you dialed in through the app. Plus, check out his website, TomPatry.com. Give him a follow on Twitter and Instagram at TomPatryGolf. And don't forget to subscribe to his YouTube channel where you can watch nearly 150 free video playing lessons. He's uploaded some great ones over the last few weeks. Tom is also a member of the Titleist Leadership Advisory Board, and I'm so excited I get to say he is back with me again tonight here on Next on the T. TB, how are you, my friend? Christy Boy! <laughs> I've missed that sound. How are you, my friend? Well, how are you, Kyle? How about these awards? How about the recognition this show and you're getting? How about how much it's deserved? How about people paying attention out there in the in the media world? And guess what, Golf Channel? Guess what, ESPN? You're missing a boat on Christmas Carol. Oh, well, I appreciate you saying that, TP. It means a lot to me, my friend. Very lucky. I get to have great guests like you. That's that's what the show's all about. It's about the host, man. The host is the best. Let's move on. Tom, I want to start off by getting your thoughts about last week's Wells Fargo Championship. We saw uh, an appearance by Jason Day and Ricky Fowler up there on the uh, leaderboard, some flashes of their former selves. J-Day opened with rounds of 63 and 67 before a, a 79 kind of derailed things in the third round. But 
close with a 70, finished tied for 15th. And Ricky opened strong with a 66, finished strong with a 68, wrapped those around the 72 and a 74. He gets a tie for 21st. Give me your thoughts on, on glimpses of these guys finally coming back to form that we're used to seeing them in. Well, I think, I think on the J-Day case, I, I was really excited after 36 holes, Chris, because he's, he's, he's one of my favorite players out there right now in this period of time. And he, he's just a guy, he's such a good guy he can pull for. And, and uh, unfortunately, I tuned in Saturday just to watch him and, and watch that 79 in the derail. So that kind of broke my heart a little bit. Had a couple of double crosses going and couldn't quite control the golf on a very by the way, in a very tough golf course in very tough conditions. But it shows his moxie, too, coming back on Sunday and shooting 70 and kind of climbing back in and, 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 and you know, having a great finish there. I hope, it's, I hope it's a sign of things to come. I hope he's back to the J-Day we once knew. Um, one of the really good guys out there. As far as Ricky's concerned, I'm not excited yet about the 20, type of 21st. I mean, and I'm a big Ricky fan, but, God, he's been invisible for a long time now, Chris. And, I don't know whether it's, it's burnout, it's, it's golfing problem, it's just uh, a lack of interest or what it is, but he's so talented and he, and he's, he's so good for the game. He's such a positive guy. I was at Bay Hill this winter and watched him after missing the cut hang out and just sign autographs for well over an hour for a bunch of little kids and just hang out and talk to him. We need, we need more Rickies and more Jason Days in the world for sure. So along those lines, Tom, when guys have kind of been out of the, you know, the, the leaderboards and, and missing cuts and all that for a while, start to put it back together a little bit, at least finishing inside the top 25. Is it a, is it a mental thing at that point? Is it, I, I need to string several of these together to kind of prove it to myself that I belong out here still? What do you think both of those guys need in order to be back to where they were? Listen, they clearly have played, you know, both those guys, you know, Chris, have played tremendous golf in their career. Um, obviously, Jason's won a major, and, and Ricky, you know, remember, not, not too long ago, he finished second in four majors in one season. So both of these guys are, are tremendous talents. But, you know, when, when your golf goes wrong, you know, whether it's mental or physical, we become very, very fragile. And, and climbing back into it can be, can be a, a long process or, 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 or not a process at all. Um, I think those guys are both pretty strong believers in their, in their, in their inner self. I think they'll be fine. Um, but we've seen some guys, because you and I both, Hunter Mahan, you know, we can go Sean O'Hare, some guys are really fine players go sideways and, and never find their way back again. So you know, <laughs> the golf game is a very fragile thing. I, you know, I hope that these two guys we're talking about tonight, can can climb you know climb back up the ladder and, and and play great golf again, but it's you know it's a, it's a very fragile thing from the mental side for sure. Speaking about a fragile thing, as we look ahead to next week's PGA Championship, you think Phil goes through with it and defends the title, and and if he does show up out at Southern Hills, what kind of reception do you think he's going to get from fans? I I, I don't think he's going to get the warmest reception from players. I mean, those guys, I mean, we, I'm not, I'm not a big Phil fan, Chris. I'm, I've never have been. Uh, I don't think the, the public persona and what really goes on behind the scenes match up very well. And we'll just leave it at that. But, um, I was at a recent champions tour event in Naples and, and talked, I'm not going to name who I talked to, but a number of guys who 
you know, were out there uh, who just turned 50, just over 50, and obviously close in age to Phil and spent a lot of the same tour years on the PGA Tour with Phil, and they're not particularly happy with Phil. Um, and, and, and I'm, I'm sure for, for the right reason. I mean, I don't think behind the scenes he gets a very warm nod. Um, the public sees the happy, smiley face, the, you know, the, the kind of smart remarks and the, and the, and the big personality. Um, and, and listen, that's great for golf. It's great for golf. But, you know, what a shame that, you know, if you took Tiger off the planet the last 25 years, Phil would be the best player in the world in the last, in the last 25 years. His, his record is tremendous. I think, unfortunately, he's tainted his legacy in the last 12 to 15 months in such a way that he might be remembered when we write the record books and, and the history books 20 years from now for maybe the wrong thing. And that's, that's a shame. Yeah, it is. And to that point, Tom, how much do you think this has tainted his, whether you, his legacy, his reputation, what have you? And how much are, when we look back 10, 15, 20 years from now, at this era on the PGA Tour, how much does this knock Phil down out of the conversation about fan favorites, greatest players of all time, all that sort of thing? I think I think last year's PGA got him certainly way up into the top 10 conversation of all time. Does this knock him out of that? Well, I, listen, Chris, his record, his record is tremendous. Uh, being a Phil fan and not being a Phil fan is irrelevant. The fact that he He's accomplished what he's accomplished on the golf course speaks for itself. He's had a tremendous record, great record in majors. You know, he's, he's, he's won a million events. He's won all over the world. He's won, you know, he's, he's a great, great player. Um, and I think the public, the, the general public has a very short memory, especially the American public. I think the, histor- the historians of the game won't forget some of the things he did off the golf course that are not exactly kosher. Um, whether it's a Saudi thing or we've recently heard about the gambling and, and, the, and the amount of debt he ran up and, um, you know, the insider trading connection and, you know, so many things that were, were not really very cool, um, and, and damaged Phil the person. So I think we have to wait and see what history says about him, but I don't think the, the, the real true golf historian, um, are big Phil fans. Tom, switching gears to Tiger. We know Tiger is going to be there at Southern Hills as well. And um, I'm just not sure a month out from what we saw at Augusta National that he should have healed that much better. I hear Southern Hills is equally as difficult to walk as Augusta National is. Do you think Tiger is still under the impression that he can win the PGA next week? Or is this all towards building maybe to be really ready to go once we get to the Open Championship at St. Andrews? Oh, I think, I think certainly physically we saw somebody that was very damaged at Augusta, but, you know, I'm so tired of, of betting against Tiger and getting my ass handed to me, Chris. <laughs> I'll, never bet, I'll never bet against him again. Um, you know, every time you, 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 you put him in the coffin, he pops the lid open and comes out like Superman. So, um, you know, Southern Hills is not an easy walk. Southern Hills can be tremendously warm still, even, you know, even at this time of year. Um, it's not going to be easy physically, but, but the guy, you know, the guy is special and I, it would, it wouldn't surprise me if he struggled the same way he struggled at Augusta. 
But it also wouldn't surprise me if all of a sudden we looked up on Saturday or Sunday and he had posted some good numbers. Um, can he win? That's a whole other question. I, you know, I don't know if he's ready to win yet. But yeah, I think, I think you're right. I think everything is being geared towards St. Andrews and, and the Open Championship and, and a very easy walk um, in, in potentially cooler temperatures. So um, I'm not betting against him, Chris. I'm, just, I'm, I'm not going to do it again. I get, I get my throat split again. <laughs> Come, uh, you mentioned earlier being out at a Champions Tour event. I was out last week at TBC Sugarloaf here in Atlanta for the Mitsubishi Electric Classic. Saw your friend Fred Couples out there on the driving range, said hello to him for you. He said it right back. Talk about your relationship with Freddie. That goes back a long way, Chris. I mean, I'm 63 now, and that goes back to 1980. Uh, we met at a uh, college event at Ohio State, um, and that, that was the first time we'd ever met. He, he was paired. We were paired with the University of Houston. He played in the group in front of me on day one. We uh, went back to the practice tee after day one, and we're hitting balls side by side. Just you know, again, it's not Fred Couples. We know, say it's Fred Couples, a college player, just like. Tom Patrick, college player. We kind of hit it off. We stayed in touch. Um, I qualified as a Division II player for the Division I National Championship that year, as did Houston. We, we, uh, we connected again there um, at that NCAA, and we've been friends ever since. Um, Freddie is a, a unique individual, a, a guy that for the tremendous success he's had and the worldwide recognition that he's had, and kind of a rock star, he's always just been Fred. He's never changed. He's uh he's extremely humble. Um he, he, he is what he appears to be. Um he doesn't garner a lot of attention, he doesn't like a lot of attention. Um he, he's just a he's he's a wonderful guy and we've stayed in touch through the years and uh it's a friendship that I really valued and, and because of that friendship, you know, the friendship with Joey Lacava came with that and uh a relationship and a and a, and a friendship with Davis and, and some other players. Um Freddie's been a, a tremendous friend and a, and a tremendous supporter. Matter of fact, did my did my forward for my book, the six spoke approach. Um, and, and, you know, just he's just always been there for me. So I, I have a lot of regard for Fred. Tom, switching gears, and uh, I've got my annual golf trip coming up next week, so I got to get my did you, did you, did you mental send, game. Send me the check. Send me the check. <laughs> Maybe after this, we'll see. Depends on wanna, what kind of shape you, you get me prepared for. You want no, no, no. You want a, you want a freebie up front. Is that what you're telling me? That's what I'm telling you. I got and, I, and not oh, just geez. one freebie. I, I I need a few freebies. Go ahead. So, Go ahead. Fire away. Yeah. So let's start first. You know, I need help with my mental approach. So talk to me about swing changes. One of the things that I've been messing around with is is my grip. And one of the things when I was standing on the driving range and watching Freddie, watching Owen Brown, watching Scott McCarron. I noticed a, a lot of similarities for how they grip the golf club. So let's start there fundamentally. Tell me about what my grip should look, what all of our grips should look like when I'm staring down at my hands on the golf club. Well, the first, first thing I'm going to tell you, Chris, is if you're a week away from your, your buddy match and you want, to, you want to bring home the cheese, you're not making a grip change a week out. We're not going to do that. I mean, that's, we're not changing. I'm making a major grip change a week away from playing competition. So if that's what's in your head, let's put that out of your head right away. As far as the grip itself is concerned, you know, I personally, as, as an instructor, like to see my players 
with a with a moderately strong left hand grip, which means a little bit more in the fingers, a little bit more of the of the, of the hand, the left hand dialed, a little bit more to the right. So I like a little stronger left hand grip and a very neutral right hand grip. Uh, that's my preference as a as a coach. Uh, it's not a principle; that's a preference. Um, I, I I like my players, especially my recreational player, to be able to release the club and get the ball to turn a little bit from right to left to add some yardage to their game because we all need a couple of yards if we can get them. Um, but please, Chris, please promise me a week out you're not making a major grip change. Please promise me that. <laughs> All right. If you tell me not to, I won't. Let's, um, let's talk short game because somebody that I know very well once told me that, that that's an important part of, of the game. So when we are out on, you know, 150 yards in, we got a scoring club in our hands. From what we, what our stance looks like on the tee, right? We've got our left for right-handed players. Left shoulders is much higher than the right shoulder. Is that consistent from a stance perspective? When I've got a scoring club in my hand, or are my shoulders supposed to be a little more parallel to the ground? Well, first of all, I, I don't. I've never told anybody for the left shoulder to be substantially higher than the right shoulder. If God gave you two arms the same length, which I hope He did. And you put your right hand on the club just a fraction lower than your left hand when you grip the club. Your right shoulder should be, a, should be a fraction lower than the left, and not overdone. The only the only time it gets a little bit more substantially tilted, if you will, is with a driver because the ball is placed much more forward, and you create a little bit more spine tilt with the driver to hit up on the golf ball as opposed to down on the iron. And that's when the tilt might become a little bit more dramatic. But I think in general, I I don't like the shoulders overly tilted. I just like the disparity between the left and the right shoulder to be the same disparity between the left hand and the right hand on the club. Um, and I don't consider scoring clubs from 150 in for a recreational player. Let's stick to 100 yards and in and see if we can get you get the wedges and the, and, the, and the short clubs on the green in a consistent manner. And let's not try to bite off whether we can choose there, Sparky. Um, <laughs> Jesus, Chris. <laughs> easy, boy. Easy with 150 yards. What are you hitting from 150 yards, by the way? Eight iron. You're 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 a strong young lad, aren't you, pal? You're a very strong <laughs> young lad. So, from from a from a short iron standpoint, you know, let's let's make very modified golf swings, and let's not try to max out a short iron. So, for example, my eight iron, if I hit if I hit it on a range and hit a full eight iron shot, it goes about 160. On the golf course, it's about a 148 club. Uh, a nine iron goes about 145, 150. On the, on the golf course, it's about a 137 to 139 club. So you see what I'm doing? I'm just dialing those things down. Because I'm trying to throw darts. I'm trying to control the trajectory, control the contact quality, control the spin rates, and, and, and control the, certainly the club face being delivered to the back of the golf ball. So I'm never really maxing it. I think the real key to scoring clubs, Chris, to answer your question is that we're not trying to max them out on the golf course. I, I'll take an eight iron. I'll grip it down half an inch or an inch. I'll make a three-quarter to three-quarter swing, and I'll try to fight the ball and control, obviously, all those factors I just mentioned. Tom, another area where I and most of us struggle with, we get on a par five, we've hit a nice drive, we're well out, you know, so we're not going to make the green in two, but a lot of times we pull the three-wood to try to get as much distance, get it as close to the green as we can. The next thing you know, we chunk it, we top it, we hit a bad shot. Now we're still over 200 yards out and we're lying too. How can we do a better job? Either whether it's we, we hit the three wood clean off the deck 
Or maybe we make a different judgment for what club we should pull so we can make a better decision and we hit a different club to a, to a distance that we feel more comfortable with. What should we be doing after a good drive on a par five? I think the first evaluation, Chris, has to be the quality of the lie, not only, not only in terms of how the ball's sitting on the ground, but uphill, downhill, side hill, whatever it happens to be. If, listen, if you've got a great lie, a great lie, and you've got a relatively level stance, and you want to hit three wood up there, you know, understand, if you're three wood, how far does your three wood go? For me, it goes eh, about 215, 220. Okay. So we're trying to hit a 215 or 220. We're not trying to hit a 221 or 225 or 231. We're trying to hit it 220 or 225. So we want to just hit a solid golf shot. So, you know, we just want to make a very, very controlled golf swing, a very balanced golf swing. And if you, if you're, if you look down at the lie, the quality of the lie or the quality of your stance, and it's impeded in any way, then we go to plan B. Okay. Maybe we should hit a hybrid down there. Maybe hit a, a four or five iron into a position where you can hit a wedge on the green. And we don't bite off more than we can chew. I think we have to make really good judgments on our individual skill levels and based on the hand we're dealt. I don't think the the first rule of thumb is to kill Kunga. You know, I think the first rule of thumb is what's the safest shot for us to play into a position that allows us to score with a short iron, a wedge of some kind, or, you know, even if, we, if we're a good bunker player, can we get it into a greenside bunker and can we hit a good bunker shot? That's an option, too, if you're a good bunker player. But I think we have to make some judgments back there based on what we find when we, when we walk up to our golf ball off the tee shot. What's the quality of the lie itself and what's our stance going to be like? And what, we, what, what kind of shot can we hit safely put into our next position? We're playing chess here. It's just a giant chess board. And how do we advance the golf ball? Tom, before I let you go, remind our listeners how they can stay up to date with all the great things you're doing and and whether it's uh, on your website or over social media. You know, Chris, like you mentioned at the top of the show, I'm, I'm sitting in Sea Island, Georgia right now, two days off with some friends, on the way to Charlottesville, Virginia, started Farmington on the 17th. I'm very excited about my second year there. Great facility, great membership. I can, I can see non-members there on a uh, base availability basis. Um, the website is simply tompatry.com, then all the normal sites, Chris, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, so forth and so on. And the website is simply TomPatry.com. But more importantly tonight, more importantly tonight, this night should be about Chris Mascaro, should be about Next on the T, should be about the awards you got, you just won, the hard work you put into the show, the great guests you have on, the homework you do. Bob Ford once told me, Chris Mascaro is the best guy at doing his homework he's ever been on a radio show or podcast with. That's coming from wow. one of the great golf professionals in this country. And it's true, Chris. It's true about you. You're humble. I appreciate your humbleness, but let's, let's tell all the people out here just the way it is. You're the best at what you do on, on the airwaves. Simple, cut and dry, no bullshit. That's it. Wow. Well, I appreciate all of that. Please tell Mr. Ford uh, I appreciate those comments and I appreciate you so very much, DP. The show is much better when you're a part of it. I'm glad to have you back. Missed you for the, the month or so that you were gone, but I'm honored you're back with me again and looking forward to catching up with you again uh, in a couple of weeks. I love you, pal. Have a great show tonight. Right back at you. Take care, TP. Stay safe. All the best to you and Bye your family. Buddy. See you, man. Thanks. That is the great Tom Patry. TomPatry.com is the website. P-A-T-R-I is the spelling of his last name. 
And you got to check out his YouTube channel, folks. Again, 150 or so free video playing lessons available for you out there on YouTube. So please go out there and take advantage of that. Subscribe to that channel.